Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. Before the show with Matt Nathanson officially starts, we have time for a couple things. One, if you're a small business owner, you can do a thousand things to find a great new hire, or you can do one, post a job with Pro Job Network. Just one click, post your ad to over 40 different job sites. It will probably take you forever to do that. And even then, you wouldn't even get the preferred placement that you'll get from Pro Job Network. In about a day, you'll have a list of qualified local candidates to choose from because Pro Job Network will place your job in front of qualified candidates who've asked to hear about specific opportunities like yours. How great is that? You'll save time, you'll save money, and you'll find good people. Go ahead, try ProJob Network free for one week by visiting tryprojob.com slash best friend. That's tryprojob.com, T-R-Y-P-R-O-J-O-B.com slash best friend. Try it free at tryprojob.com slash best friend. And also, Let's talk about the fact that it's November, which means it's Movember or Movember. I never quite know. I think it's Mo. Is it Movember or Movember? Could someone please write in and tell me? But regardless, it's that month where men grow mustaches to raise awareness and money for men's health issues. Or if you're my husband, all 12 months are that month. Um, but here's the thing. Even if you're growing a beautiful mustache... You still need to shave that other stuff. Uh, and uh, Harry's.com is the official razor partner of Movember or Movember. Perhaps you're familiar with Harry's.com. I love them. Before they even signed on as a sponsor of the show, I bought a Harry's shave kit for my husband and for my brother-in-law, and they were both super happy with them. Uh Harry's was started by two guys passionate about creating a better shaving experience for all men. Uh, Harry's delivers a superior shave because they bought, well, it's not because they bought a blade factory, but they did buy a blade factory in Germany that's been crafting some of the world's highest quality blades for nearly a century. Maybe that is why. You could really look at it either way. It's why. It's also a factoid about them. Uh, They cut out the middleman and they offer an amazing shave at a fraction of the price of drugstore brands. I don't know about you guys, but I love this trend of companies who are just cutting out the middleman and then you get amazing products and services for a super affordable price. Um, Harry's starter set is an amazing deal with my code Allison. You can get it for just $10. The set includes a razor handle, three blade cartridges and your choice of shaving cream or foaming shave gel delivered to your door. Uh, Greg Heller on my Thursday show, quite a fan of Harry's and quite a fan of the shave cream. But you can't go wrong with either the shaving cream or the foaming shave gel. And by the way, shipping is always free. So go to harrys.com now and Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in our code Allison with your first purchase. That's Harry's, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and enter coupon code Allison at checkout for $5 off the starter set and start shaving smarter today. Okay, here is the episode with my old pal, Matt Nathanson. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with perfect good times never end. Allison Rosen, do you hear the wavy pencil pants again? Allison Rosen, Allison's your new best friend. 
Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here in Dining Room Studios with my old friend and return guest, Matt Nathanson, musician. Yay. Hello. I love your theme song. Thank you so much. I, I have one playing in my head whenever I walk into a room. What is it? I can't sing it because it's just, you know, it changes because, you know, the times change. Right. Yeah. You just always have a soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, it could have been back in the day. It was probably like a poison ballad. Now it's maybe <laughs> something like a, maybe it has a little weekend in it now. Who knows? You know, it changes. Right. Shifts. Well, welcome back. I'm excited to have you back. You were on the 10th episode of this show, like, which is, is way back when. There's been hundreds of episodes since uh, then. Nice. And I went back and I listened. But when I realized that it was only the 10th episode, I was like, uh-oh, this might be a hard listen. Because at that point... I was probably still figuring out the show format, and I probably was very green, and blah, blah, blah. But I went back, and it was a totally pleasant, uh, good episode, and it was relaxed, and uh, it had a nice vibe. So for anyone who wants to go back, I'd say, yeah, don't, don't be afraid of that one. Dude, it's nice. That's like having a good haircut at a certain mm-hmm. point in your life, being like, yeah, my sixth grade haircut was okay. That was right before the mullet. And right before uh, the faux hawk. But yeah, you can go back to the fifth grade. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's all right. And the good thing is there's a lot of stuff that we didn't talk about. We talked Ooh. a lot about The Bachelor and we talked about your hair. We talked about the fact that we went to college together, a lot yeah. of that. And also we talked about how we both went uh, as part of like this school music group and we saw Beck play at a coffee house yeah. in Pomona. And we couldn't remember the name of the coffee house. And as I was listening to it, I was like wanting to yell it. Oh. The Haven. The Haven. I think I might have tweeted you after. Yeah. I think I did remember at the yeah, time. Yeah, the but- guy that ran the Haven was in a wheelchair and he was like a very, he was like an entrepreneur. I think he was well off and he opened the Haven in mm-hmm. downtown Pomona at the time, which was not whatever it is now. I don't even know what it is now, though. It's the, I think the glass house opened up down there yes. and now it's like a bunch of stuff happens. But back then it was like, like one legged prostitutes and like a flea market. Right. Yeah. Is there a part of town where the one-legged prostitutes would collect? Where do they go? That's (laughs) always my thing. I sort of feel that way about, like, Limp Biscuit fans as well. Like, if Limp Biscuit decided (laughs) that they wanted to tour again, like, none of the fans would come. And, like, why? Where did they go? Right. Where did all the new metal fans go? Long time passing. Mm -hmm. Where have all the new metal fans gone? So, anyway, yeah, it's the one-legged prostitutes are probably part of that. And I also wonder, would one-legged prostitutes feel an affinity for each other or would there be intense competition like the parent trap like yeah i would think that it's like kind of a niche thing you know <laughs> right. and if there's another one-legged prostitute you'd be like you get off my block exactly yeah i think you're probably right but you know something that we didn't talk at all about that many years ago was your childhood and your upbringing and all of that oh yeah so we can get into that today but there's so many other things to get into for one Uh, I recently texted you something kind of insipid, and yet I feel that it is true. I said, I feel like you and I are on similar journeys of self-actualization. Yeah. Which is a really precious thing to say. I like it. But I do feel like it's true because you had posted something on Instagram, which I loved, uh, and you're going to have to help me remember specifically what it was. It was this list of like different, it was like one was ego state. Oh, yeah. And the other was, what was it? It was ego and confidence or something like that? I don't remember. You know, there's so much good things that I throw out on my social media all the time that I just can't remember. You're like a philanthropist in I, that it's way. It's tough. I'm a lot like uh, <laughs> Dr. Uh, what's his name? Phil? I don't know. 
Dr. Phil. I'm a lot like Dr. <laughs> Phil. Sort of a weird... I don't know what Dr. Phil's Spock? whole deal is, but he's, he freaks me out. Well, he's not a real doctor. He isn't? No. Well, then why the hell is he calling himself that way? They can get away with anything on the television. They really can. I'm pretty sure he's not. Now, now you're making me wonder, but I don't think so. Dude, if we wonder, it can't be true. That's right. So, no, I don't remember what it was, but I remember it was super good. Oh, here it is. Is this it? Yeah. Uh, an ego-driven state versus centered state. Mm-hmm. And so, like, self-conscious versus self-aware. Separate versus connected. Oh, yeah. That was great. And... Uh, does that resonate with you? It must since you oh, posted yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I feel like uh, I grew up on... My wife calls me a um, recovering narcissist. Oh. And uh, and I agree. So, yeah. I feel like I'm trying hard to be not only not... Nar- not trying hard. I feel like I'm out of the narcissistic period of my life. Now I'm into the like lack of self-confidence part of my life. And the judgmental part is like... It goes on full blast. Judgmental of yourself? No, oh, yeah. And then everybody else. That's sort mm-hmm. of how it works. And... Did you have that when you were in the narcissistic state Yes, as well? but it was like, but I thought I was awesome, I think. Or I thought I, no one else mattered but me. I think that was what my narcissism right. was. Well, it's interesting because before we turned on the mics, we were talking about a narcissist that we know. And a true narcissist, like there's a kind of very specific uh, set of characteristics, which you don't seem like a true textbook narcissist. You don't think you are, Well, right? the person we were talking about is a sociopath. That's okay. a different kind of thing. Yeah. Like, narcissism is a little bit easier to handle than total sociopath, like, like you know what I mean? The world revolves around me and me alone. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, Donald Trump is a sociopath. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And, like, a narcissist is just somebody that just was got the tools wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? A sociopath is somebody who, like, knows they got the tools wrong and, like, is okay with it. Goes to, like, sixth gear. It's like, right. yeah, me. Well, so what were you like? I just think I, my family was like made up of, my mother used to joke that she had three only children. <laughs> and uh, and she did kind of. They weren't, my family was not super big into family. And so it was a lot like kind of human beings doing battle for love. So it was like every person for themselves on mm-hmm. a certain level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, So anyway, so we all became sort of varying degrees of, complete narcissists in different ways different shades because it's what you needed to do to get by like those were your survival tools yeah i think so Look, yeah i'm a regular dr phil and by that i mean not I a real doctor that's incredible <laughs> but i have a microphone well dr phil um uh i also have trouble i eat too much red meat is that weird but uh but- put a rubber band on your wrist and snap it every time you want to eat meat <laughs> is that what he does i think that's oh something my he God, advises that guy can't be good yeah um but anyway so i but yeah so my family just is sort of made up of people that really like they're not textbook nar- like you can you, you think that they're not you think that they're like sort of very giving type of people but mm. not so much right strange there, Parent, everybody's your- kind of in it for themselves what uh are you the oldest the middle youngest 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 yeah okay and you have an older there's someone named neil because you wrote it on your hand yeah today's his birthday happy birthday neil yeah and uh him? you have two brothers or one brother and a sister a brother and a sister and uh, and they're great, but you know it's just sort of like we're not necessarily like a unit, right? And your parents were together when you were young. Sort of ended being together right when I was about five. Do you remember that? Yeah. What was that like? It was great. I mean, just because my dad would never let us run in the house, and so they got divorced, and I was like, I can run in the house. That was what I remember. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I have a really good relationship with my dad now, um, so it's cool. So it totally worked out. But, but when I was a kid, it was sort of a little bit uh, strained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, when, when did you and your dad reconnect? Or were, were you not uh, 
No, Did he was always really? in okay. my life, but he. Uh, but we've as we get as I get older, we have a better relationship. It's just sort of like starting to be like humans to humans. It's right. That's cool. I know you went to boarding school pretty young. Did F- you go to fifth board- grade? Okay. So I was like nine or ten. Did you like it? Because I was a huge Facts of Life fan, and I really yeah, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I couldn't even handle summer camp. That's how much I was not a tough kid who can be away from her parents. But I had fantasies of going to boarding school oh, at a young age. I like it. <laughs> no, um, my fantasies of girls' boarding school was different than my actual experience. My mean my, when I use the term fantasy, I mean it differently <laughs> than how you're picturing it as well. I had these incredible fantasies, <laughs> but so I went when I was in fifth grade and I boarded for five days a week and then went home for two days on the weekends and then every summer I went to camp for two months and I hated it why because I didn't want to be away from my my house yeah and so I think that sort of shapes the way it's it works why did why did they send you to boarding school I don't think that they this is the funny thing I don't uh there's a bunch of varying they all have different ideas as to why they did it uh but my theory is that they just I wasn't super I was not an easy kid, mm-hmm. and I think like it was an easier route to go. I also don't think I was an easy kid. I think I was. Um, Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have a younger sister, and I have two older half brothers. Whoa! Uh, who are they're twins, and they're eleven years older than I am. Oh! And then I have a sister who's four years younger than I am. Um, I think I was a pretty high maintenance, emotional. Yeah, me too. Kid. But really super smart and delightful and lovable, too. Well, yeah, this is the joke of it all. Is like it, every kid is sort of highly... Until you sort That's of bash them down into yeah. like submission. Right. And so we just didn't get bashed down into submission. We were sort of like, I gotta be me. <laughs> and they were like, I can't handle this. And so right. they put me in boarding school. And I think, you know, it's, it's like, I don't... Uh, it's funny. I don't really fault them for doing that. Uh, at the time, I did. But mm-hmm. I don't really... It's like they did the best they could with what they had, with the limited abilities that they had, and they. Uh, but I think that's just kind of how they did it. They were like, uh, and you know, they might say, "Well, it was great to have an influence of those teachers on you," or whatever bullshit they say. But really, it's just sort of <laughs> like if I fucking ever sent my kid away to boarding school when they were ten, I would fucking punch myself in the face. You know what I mean? Like, I, I dig my kids so much that I can't believe that. And that's where the sort of there's a sort of a narcissism thing there too. And I got to be careful because my I don't speak to my mother because I got a podcast uh, where I talked about her and she got mad and now she's out. She doesn't talk to me anymore. But, Whose uh, podcast was it? Pat from Train. Mm. Uh, but it's cool. But so I think that just they're narcissistic, man, and they didn't want to have a fucking handle a kid that was like me. Like did wait? Can I? Well, does, does your mom listen though or not? She might. I have no fucking idea. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask a question. You can choose whether to yeah, answer it or not. Like it. Did you talk to her about her reaction to no, what happened on the podcast? she's not or? a talker of uh, reactions. How did you find out she was no longer talking to you? She sent me an email. Told oh. me that she was done with me. Uh, so, but it's like, it's just how it works. Because, Were you bummed? Uh, I mean, it's always a bummer when your parent decides they don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. But, uh... But that being said, it's like, here's the deal. I don't want to fucking hang out with people who don't want to hang out with me, even if they fucking made me. Mm-hmm. I only want to hang out with people that dig me. And I don't mean that in like a douche way of like, I only like people that say you're the best. I only want to fucking hang out with people who want to hang out with me. Like we're only, we're getting older and dying. Like I don't want to fucking spend my time on people that 
only bring fucking static or don't like me or don't like what I've done or are disappointed in me. And like that has been a huge realization for me in my life is like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to fight for something that is not worth fighting yeah. for if they don't want to be there. It's like, it's just too fucking short. Like, all right, you don't want to do this. Don't do it. Like, mm-hmm. then that was kind of how it was. And I, and I spent most of my life in therapy kind of like moving through this process of thinking like, don't abandon me. Don't abandon me. And then it was finally like, oh, you don't want to be here. Don't fucking be here. Like, I feel that way about everybody. It's kind of like it hurts and it's like, but I don't, what the fuck am I going to do? Fucking, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you can't, you can't make people, uh, you, you can't No, if people don't want to know you and learn about what, if you lay your boundaries down and people ignore them, that's like a sure sign that those aren't the people you want to hang out with. Right. And so my, I try and lay down the boundaries as best I can with my family, and some of them do a great job of kind of, you know, showing their boundaries and saying, well, this is what I, and then you say, great. And it's like very psych, psychology kind of ish. But so it doesn't bum me out. I mean, it bums me out, I think, on like a fundamental level, but... Again, my family doesn't work like other families. They're not going to like, if they're listening, they're not going to like to hear it, but it's fucking true. We just don't exist. Like people say, it's so sad that you don't talk to your whatever, or, you know, my brother and I talk every once in a while, my sister and I talk, like, these are like four times a year kind of Mm -hmm. thing, you know? And it's like, it's not because it's just like, this is just how we work, man. We didn't learn anything other than that. So it's not, to us, it doesn't seem like a fucking bummer. To us, it's just like, oh, well, cool. That's just how it is. And so uh, that's what I had to realize with all of them. And like my dad and I just happened to have a really good relationship because he wants to speak to me as an adult now. He doesn't want to speak to me like I'm fucking 10 or Mm -hmm. that he's my drill sergeant. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I can hang with that. I heard something recently that really resonated with me, which is love is an action, not a feeling. And it was like someone turned on a light bulb. Because I think there's been so many times in my life that someone has, uh, you know, treated me in a way that I, that hurt and I didn't understand. And then someone else will explain, but they, they really love you. It's Uh, just that they blah, 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 blah. And so I've always had this sort of like, there's these dual things in my head of like, well, someone can really love you, but they don't express it or they act in a way that makes you feel they don't love you, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, when I read this, I mean, it's not obviously not like science or a fact or anything. It was just someone's take on it, but it was a good rule of thumb for me at least, to remember. No, love is an action. Oh, yeah. It's like someone treats you in a certain way and that is how you know they love you. And because I have felt before, like, what good... I sound like a sad third grader. Uh, and also an we adult. Kind of are. Yeah, we're kind <laughs> I mean, of... like, I don't think there's anything <laughs> wrong with that. Like, what good is someone saying they love you if they treat you in a way that you wouldn't you would never be friends with someone who treated you that oh, way yeah, that's the definition of abusive manipulative humans it's like it's just not it's like to me i've uh in my life uh we're, you and i talk about this a lot like we're trying to get better we're trying to not we're trying to evolve in a way that we don't do the same shit we did back then mm-hmm. and so like when people my thing is like if somebody says something like i don't know i don't have any experience firsthand like what you're saying but when somebody says i love you and then treats you well i guess i do when somebody says i love you and then treats you like shit it's kind of like um okay here's the deal like uh, uh, this is not how i want my life to go that's really how it is it's like this can be your definition of love all you want like this can be totally the way that you see the world working mm-hmm. i'm not going to be in the world like i need to have i need a certain type of human being in my life in order to fucking survive. And it's like, and if you can't fit the criteria, it's a small plate. You know what I mean? We can only fit a couple things on it. See, I've tried 
to do that before. And there's just so much intense sadness that goes along with it. Yeah, but you work through that. <laughs> it's like, because it isn't, it's sadness about the idea. It's not sadness yes. about, like, it's like, you have this, the world gives you the impression that this is the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be whatever it is, white picket fence, you know what I mean? Like, um, all white members of the presidency over the course of time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like it's just like lots of white. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> there's this idea that it's supposed to be a certain way and then we grow up thinking that's it. And really it's like we actually steer the ship of our own life and so we don't have to actually uh, – we don't have to actually take it truly. Like we don't have to be – and I was finding that like – other than my wife, like, I, I was really super good at kind of attracting a certain type of person. What kind of person? Just, like, a, not a great person for mm. me. You know what I mean? You sort of, like, attract either dudes or women who are, like, sort of not awesome. And then <laughs> and, and they, they might be awesome for somebody. Do you know what I mean? But it's not particularly awesome for me. And so I just started weeding those people out because it was, like... When? Like, a, probably around about five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. I started being like, oh, you wait a second. Oh, man, great. Because people are resources, no matter what. And so human beings, intimates can be a certain way, like your husband, my wife. You can ask them for things that they will stretch to to accomplish, and they'll ask you the same thing. Everybody else is really a resource. So if you go up to a a Buick or, you know, and you ask it for milk – like you're not going to get milk out of a Buick. Do you Man, know what I'm saying? I, like, I love this analogy. This though. Like, it's like you got to go to the cow and get <laughs> right. milk. If you ask the cow to drive you to school, it's not going to be able to do it. And so it's like humans are the same way. Man, they're very limited and they're only capable of certain things. And if you ask people outside of what they're capable of, it will just fucking cause chaos either with them or with you because your expectation of them is something that's unrealistic, or they feel taxed at trying to achieve something that's not within their grasp. And then it just causes this friction. And so it's like, most people are not cruel by design. No, most people are trying, I think, yeah, I think be- that most people are actually trying to be good people. They're yeah, trying. Well, good people's a stretch. But I think that what they're trying to do is, <laughs> I think people are trying to do the best that they can by, f- for themselves. And at the, yeah. at the time of doing that, what they do is like... Well, Ayn Randian. Well, it's like, no, but it's not a bad thing. We are all self-absorbed human beings. Mm-hmm. This is just how it works. Like the Dalai Lama... I, I don't. I can't speak for him, but I'm pretty sure that he's got an agenda for himself that satisfies him yeah. in order for him to then do his job. And it's like, it's like this is how it works in life. And so the only time to really get rid of people is when they're toxic, like mm-hmm. when they when they start to sort of like when they won't accept what you're when you're like hey, and they're like, what do you mean hey? And it's like time <laughs> to get rid of that person. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's that's really everybody else can kind of live within the ring. I call it the rings of the tree. It's like uh-huh. your intimate circle is the inner ring, and then everybody else, if you put them in their proper ring they're incredible when you start to misinterpret that they should be in different rings like when you're like you should be here and they're like okay and you put them in there and you're like oh my god this is terrible yeah like and then you're like i gotta get rid of them it's like no you just gotta put them out to an outer ring and like when you do that send them to the bark yeah to send them out closer (laughs) to the bark and so it's like and so life is just made up of that and calling people resources isn't really cold in any way it's just how it works like we all give and take with each other and that's what makes the world go round in this great way and it's like you know philanthropy like work for uh like if you're giving and you go do like hands across or whatever the fuck you do like Mm -hmm. you you go to teach english in a different country it's like you're doing that for you and then the result is that it's also giving to other people right and that's great and like that is the key to life is like finding a way to not hurt yourself and not hurt others but to exist in a way where you are inclusive instead of exclusive and so like yeah human beings are tough and like 
But yeah, ditching. We talked about your. I, I don't know how deep you want to go here, and so. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's tough, man. And uh, and that I see it. I'm uh, with my kid. I'm putting money away for her college and for her therapy because I'm sure I'm fucking her up in some colossal way that I don't even know. And at a certain point in the game, she's going to be like, "Look what you did to me!" Like, and I'll be like, "Ugh, I'm super sorry." Like. Let's go deal with this. And mm-hmm. that's kind of all you can do is like because you do the best you can with the limited resources that you have at the time. And then as you grow, you kind of – you course correct and then you hope that there's money for therapy. <laughs> so many questions. Um, I want to – I do want to ask about you as a parent. But first I just want to go back to something. So I was thinking about um, asking the Buick for milk. But no, you got to go to the cow. But I think – I guess I'm wondering, what is the milk? Like, what is an example of the kind of milk that you're talking about? Because... <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> this fucking metaphor is ruling. It really, it's really good. Sort of like fresh breast milk. <laughs> oh, I didn't even Fro- think... It's so Freudian. Frothy. I didn't even think about that. Um, because I think that there are therapists, mine in New York, who would have said... The key is to provide your own milk and to not be needing milk from another human being. No, what the fuck kind well, that's of world I'm, do you live in where that happens? That's impossible. We are. That's why I'm wondering what the milk we is. We are human beings that need each other to exist. It's like we work so much better as, in, as a community than we do as individuals. It's just a fact. It's like human beings need each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's like whether it be like, hey, man, can I borrow some salt? Or like, hey, my, my wife left me and I need to talk. Or hey, you know, all these kind of things. These are the resources. It's like, yeah. I need something from you. Can you give it to me? And it's like, and sometimes people can say, I can do this for you. I can rise to the occasion. And I can talk. Or sometimes people are like, I'm super taxed. I fucking can't. And then right. it's like your job to be like, okay, that's not the person I go to when my wife leaves me. Mm-hmm. That might be the person I go to for salt. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yes. it's like you, if you mix the two of them up and you're going to be real pissed at the salt person for not being able to talk to you about your, your wife leaving right. you. And it's like, it's not their fucking job, man. They're not, you, that's not what they're there for. Mm-hmm. It's like the, everyone is limited. And once you learn what everybody's capable of, then you can like really really flourish because you're asking for people to be themselves and you are then utilizing them for what they're good at. Oh, that, like, that is something that I really struggle with wanting to be at that point where, it, cause it's like, I've heard the same therapist who said not to ask other people for milk said that when you can truly see people as they are, that's, that's when you can really oh, love it's them. the best. And that's why people that are and I'm manipulative. I'm like, well, but I'm too angry at them. Right. Well, and this is the thing. That's why people that are super manipulative are the worst because they give you signals that they're one type of person mm-hmm. and then they're actually a different yeah, type of person. Yeah, suddenly you're and suckling at their teeth and it's totally so salty. It's salty. You're not getting a good <laughs> latch on that nipple. And so that to me is like the disingenuous presentation of somebody mm-hmm. is I just fucking run, run when can somebody's like... Can you identify oh, right away now? dude, I have honed the skills. <laughs> I feel like a fucking ninja. I feel like I can I can pretty much like take apart a human being real quick. We talked about this the last time I saw mm-hmm. you where I was like, that person's a bad person. And you're like, <laughs> I don't think so. And I'm like, oh, yeah. It's like I feel like I, sometimes I'm off, but like who cares if I'm off thinking so? You know, it's like like I'll figure it out. I'll read yeah. course correct later and be like, I was wrong. Wow. It's not like I punched them in the face at the time that I'm like, you're a bad person. Right. I just go, whoa, I'm putting them way out on the tree of importance. You know what I mean? Like, and then they can make their way in and back and human beings should do this, man. It's like, we need each other, but we can't ask of each other what we're not capable of. And that's why like when my parents sent me to boarding school, like they get fucking bent out of shape that it upset me. It's like, welcome to fucking the world. Like take it. You know what I mean? Like, well that pisses on behalf of you and children everywhere pisses me off that 
and I can relate very strongly to this, that someone would be angry at a kid for, having an for their emotion. natural oh, yeah, reaction. Dude. Oh, dude, it's the best. How, what are you, oh, f- fuck all of that. Dude, I love that. I love yeah. when people say, when you say, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, shit. I do this to my wife sometimes when she'll sort of say, I'm fucking bummed out, and I'll be like, well, don't be bummed out. And she's like, well, what the fuck is your, you know, like, let me have my experience. And I yeah. go, oh, you're right. Okay, cool. Like, because I come from a place where people say, don't have your experience. Mm, right. You're or you're overreacting. Your, yeah. Or you're overreacting. Yes. Or this is not your, this is not who, you know, like, and it's just kind of like, dude, here's the deal. Like, we all feel that way. And I doubt everything I think in mm. my life because of it. I feel like I'm talking to myself right now. It's a wonderful experience. <laughs> <laughs> now I see what other people see. Yeah, they love <laughs> I'm the it. best. No, like I, yes, I can't experience an emotion without trying to control it and question oh, yeah. it and spin it around. And I was thinking, uh, and this, I recognize this interview is getting like super squishy and psychological and new agey, but I'm fine with it and I love it. And I think my audience, they're into this, they, Please be into this. Don't doubt this. I don't. No. This is the milk. It's not. Suckle. <laughs> Suckle. I was thinking, what if I just spent a day of allowing myself to feel whatever I feel without having to question, without having to question it and control it and try to change it? I mean, of course, I just had that thought and then I didn't do it. That's the key but, to everything. Right yes. There. Like, are no there, shit. Are like, there people who can do that? Yeah, but it takes, it's like a muscle, man. You got to like build the muscle up. It's like it takes time and you maybe get 10 minutes into your day and you do it and then you fall back into your old patterns and then but when you make it your sort of goal, yeah, you can totally do it. And it's like as long as you're not hurting anyone else or hurting yourself, you should be able to live your life any way you want. Mm-hmm. And so it's like there's a and and that's really it. I would love to live think about how how not exhausted you would be if you could live your life without double checking every step you take. I feel like it would free me up to do so. Dude, it would be incredible. That's how people conquer the world in good ways. Do you know what I mean? Like that's how people really like rise to their finest place is like just accepting themselves. Oh my God. It would be great. If the world did that, we wouldn't have the Republicans. (laughs) We wouldn't have, I mean like honest to God, we wouldn't have any of the news channels. It's like everything feeds into the fear that everybody has. Everything feeds into the idea that you're not enough you need more, and that this person knows the answer to how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so that concept makes it so like you watch daytime television, and you're like, oh my God, I might have cancer. Maybe I should try that medicine. Instead of saying like, no, you should go for a walk, and you should eat well, and you should work on yourself. And then at the time of doing that, everything will sort of like, once you love yourself, you everything will fall into place. And it takes most of your life to love yourself. You right. know what I mean? Like, And so we just live in a fear-based place, man, where people are like worried about the big, the big earthquake going to hit California. And it's kind of like... What are you going to do about it? Like, just make sure your earthquake gets good and be done. Like, I read this article in the, it was in the New Yorker or something about the big tsunami that's going to hit Washington State. Like, it was, it went around the news for, and everyone was like, what are we going to do? And it's like, why would someone write that? Like, who gives a shit? Like, you know what I mean? We could die tomorrow. A big air conditioner could drop out of a window and kill us. Mm-hmm. And then we wasted all our time being worried about the typhoon. I just, this fear-based thinking is not the way to live your life. It's just not it. And fear-based thinking about how other people think of you or fear-based thinking about your own emotions. Can you imagine what it would feel like to just sort of be like, eh, I'm fucking sad. And to not pin it on someone else, but to just kind of be like, I'm sad. I'm having a moment of being bummed. Yeah, I mean, I can't experience a pure emotion without trying to get in the way of it. I think because I'm trying to prevent negative feelings and it doesn't work though because it just creates anxiety or it creates depression when you won't allow yourself to feel what you're feeling but I think that for me it's like you know I'm 
I don't want to feel anger or fear. So I'm going to feel some like squeezed, like fucked version of whatever. I'm still feeling it, but I'm telling myself I'm not. Well, an anger is a super empowered version instead of feeling vulnerable and scared. To be angry is like the offshoot of what most people do because it's like Mm -hmm. it feels empowering and it's sort of it's exciting but to be like a vulnerable human being and to be open to be kind of kicked around by people and then also being confident at the same time that's the ideal state to be in because you're open you're open to all new things you're not an idiot and you're not just taking you're not like sure come live with me person that I just met (laughs) but at the same time you're vulnerable and you're like you are able to express your emotion and say it's really good to see you I love you and if someone gives you a response like what the fuck are you talking about like I don't love you be like okay man I get it but like right. I'm feeling this way and I'm I'm good with it like, and if you are that way that's so magnetic to people yeah and 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 at that point you don't give a shit if people right. show up anyway because it's like you're living your life and you're having a good time come and imagine how great that is are you able to you look so happy with yourself right now. I was just thinking, <laughs> like, I was because I was thinking about what that would be like. I mean, it's incredible to think about. That would be like a euphoric state to like wander totally. the streets. Well, that's what I was going to ask. How are are you able to apply this stuff, or to what degree can you apply this to your career and how you feel like the audience is t- is perceiving you and feels about you? Yeah, it's tough. I feel like now I'm doing better than ever in terms of writing the songs that I want to write without thinking about what other people want. Mm-hmm. That's where it's starting to happen live. I'm sort of come from the please people school of life. And so live, I still kind of want everybody to be happy. Um, and it's tough because on this tour, we've been doing this acoustic tour, just Aaron and I acoustic in these small rooms. And people have been fucking yelling, yelling songs they want to hear, yelling stupid ass questions, <laughs> wanting to say like, like people get, re- people really don't have boundaries. And so it's like in the meet and greet line last night, someone was like, oh, your nipple and like went to touch my nipple. And I was like, no, like don't fucking touch my nipple. Like, you know, See, this I kind think of thing. that you would be someone in the past who would have been of like, course. let me I been give like, you. Here's my nipple. Here's my nipple. Here's do you want it? One. Let yeah. me chop it off and I'll <laughs> give it to you. And as I get older, I start to realize like, I don't want you to do that. And like, no, I'm not going to fucking bring yeah. your kid up to do this thing. Like, I'm not a fucking it's not your show. Like, this is not about you. Like, it's about me. And it's about me providing for a group of people. Stop being entitled and making it about you. And whereas before I might have just, it's really draining mm-hmm. when you're around people like that. And like those show, these shows, some of them have been super draining because people just feel like it's a platform for them to just fucking be an asshole. Well, it's like and, you're being heckled. Yeah. And it's just like, and it's constantly like, play this song, play this song. And la- I, last night I said to this woman, finally, at the end of the show, like, I tried to be really nice. And I was like, I just put my hand out like, like a... Like I was like Luke Skywalker trying to raise the X-Wing out of the swamp. And I went like, right. And I just closed my hand. I was like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Everyone probably appreciated that. They did. But she came to the meet and greet after and was like, it was such a great show. And I was like, oh my God, you didn't get that at all. Like you didn't listen. You are so great. So yeah. So I still find that there's a balance I'd like to strike, especially because the only good art is art that is unselfconscious and not trying to please anyone. It's like, that's the only thing that's good in the world. Those are the only songs that really work over time. Um, I know that you have said, and I want to get into this more uh, in a bit, that Bill Murray is your North Star. I and, love that guy. Uh, for me, it's Trey and Matt from oh, South Park yeah. and Lena Dunham. In terms of when I think about like what will people's reaction to this be if I say this or do this or write this or do this kind of episode or whatever, I think 
we wouldn't have Book of Mormon and we wouldn't have girls if they cared about what people's reaction was going to be. It's the key to it all. I swear to God, like talking to you about my mom even, I'm like, oh my God, what's, am I going to get an email out of the blue telling me I'm a fucking terrible child? And it's like, dude, so what? Like, I got to fucking talk about it. Like, and it's like, I got to talk about it because it's important, like to me. And it's like, that's it. So it's like, it's what formed me. So whether or not people get bummed out about it, it's like, yeah, if you get self-conscious, if you get self-conscious about what you say as an artist, you're, you're done. You're, you're, it's over. And it's right. like, our, if we're lucky enough to do this as a job, which we are, it's like, it's our job to be as honest as we can be because that's the records that saved our lives when we were a kid. That was the, you know, there weren't podcasts back then, but that was the sort of the thing mm-hmm. that saved our lives. When you watch girls and you go, holy shit, I totally see myself in that person. That person's terrible. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's huge. That's important. Right. So something that I'm always fascinated by is the fact that you met your wife when you were, what, 18? Yeah, 17. Your wife-to-be. And, like, I met my husband when I, how old was I? I think I just turned 36 or 37. And if I had met him younger, there's no way it would have worked because I was just too much like all the stuff we're talking about. Right. I, I was I was still trying to become a better, different person. Um, so I assume you were kind of a different person when you first met her. Yeah, just- I think fundamentally I was the same person. That's the thing is I think your core person doesn't change. Right. Like unless you're, you know, like, but, but really I think I was the same person. I just had the, I just had, I had such a limited scope of how I thought the world worked. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was like those horse blinders that they wear in, in Central Park. It's like, you think like, oh my God, it's either I love you, I love you, I love you, or don't leave me. Do you know what I mean? Like that's how I live my life. And it's like, there's way more than that. So the more you grow and the more you grow with somebody, the, you can sort of push the blinders out a little bit and go, oh, my God, there's this dynamic. Oh, my God, there's a world outside of my own asshole. Like, oh, my God, this is great. And that's the key, you know, like as if they – so, yeah, it was it was uh, weird to meet somebody at that age. I like to think that she was out of a lot of bad decisions that I made in my life when it came to humans that I that I befriended. She was the best – she was like a strange life raft of a moment where I was like, I want to date you. And she actually was awesome. So it's like there was a moment of like clarity in mm-hmm. an otherwise very cloudy, sort of mucky human existence of like, I like you. Oh, you're shitty. I like you more. You know, that happened all the time. So, right. Yeah. 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 So it's like some part of you wanted health. Yeah. No. And I knew it. And, and then I recognized stability. it in her. And I was like, you're great. And then I spent like the next 15 years testing it. <laughs> <laughs> Being I, like, are you? I don't know. What if I did this? You know? And like... uh you know, that has that must have been hard for her. Yeah, but she's a badass. I mean, it's everything's hard for everybody. But you know, she had her own broken shit, and it, we and so everybody, you know, her broken shit and my broken shit worked for a while, and then it didn't work for a while, and then she fixed her broken shit and my and she decided she wanted to stay with me while I fixed my broken shit, mm-hmm. and it all kind of worked. That was it. It was like her deficiencies and my deficiencies are one of the reasons that we lasted. You know what I mean? And then what we do is you shed those as you get older, and you realize, oh my god, I don't want to be that way. You know, I don't want to tolerate people treating me like shit. That was kind of her thing. Like, I, why am I doing this? And then all of a sudden it was like, you know, that's how it works. So, yeah, she's a badass, though. Um, so to go on to you as a parent, uh, how do you not repeat mistakes? I kind of do exactly the opposite things that uh, were done to me. 
the George Costanza method. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I also have a very big wallet that I have in my pants that I wear, <laughs> and it throws my hips off just like George. Um, yeah, I just sort of do. You just want to fill your kid, man. When you see your kid, they're like full of love and they're full of uh, promise and they're full of hope and they're full. They're just wide open. And so it's like you want to sustain that for them as long as you can because like. Uh, it's the best parts of being a person. So it's like you see them and you want to like, they have love like in their bones, you know what I mean? And you just want to sort of, uh, as long as you can, you want to help foster that and nourish that. And so you want to do the opposite of sort of like kicking that in and being like, don't do that. You know what I mean? It's like you definitely put up boundaries and you teach them, you know, that's fucking, don't light that on fire. Don't shit in public, you know, these (laughs) kind of things. But like, but it's really about like fostering empathy and compassion and love in this, vessel that like pretty much has it to begin with Mm -hmm. so all you do is just sort of help them navigate and again she'll be fucked up for sure that's how it works but you know all we can do is go oh man yeah let's help you get unfucked up you know what i mean that's like the key to it all is the more you can kind of say all right i'll I'll take accountability for this part of it and uh let's Mm -hmm. let's work on this like how has being a father affected your songwriting I don't know. I think, I think again, it was this blinders on, blinders off kind of thing. When you have a kid, all of a sudden you realize like, um, at least I hate when people say that. When you have a kid, you realize that. When I had a kid, I realized. People used to say that to me like, well, as soon as your, yes. your kid's born, it's going to change everything. And I used to say to them, don't fucking tell me what's going to happen in my life. <laughs> like your experience is very different than what mine's going to be. And And I was right on a certain level, but on another level, they were right. And it's like, for me, having a kid just sort of makes me realize that, like, I I used to not care if the plane went down. Do you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. my, the plane would, even when I was married, if the plane would shake, I'd be like, bring it. Let's do this. <laughs> like, and then you have a kid and you all of a sudden feel connected to your life and you're like, oh, my God, I don't want the plane to go down. There's so much I want to do. Like, there's so much I want to accomplish and there's so much, like, hanging out I want to do and love I want to have. So it's like... And that, that kind of, that shift is nice because I really, before I didn't have any of that. I just didn't care. That was part of the narcissism thing of like, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you want to fight me? I'll fight you. What do you want to do? And now it's like, I don't want to fight. I don't want to get the shit kicked out of me or I don't want to kick the shit out of somebody. I just want to like get home or do, you know what I mean? Like spend time, you know, creating or whatever. It just sort of aligns your, it aligned my priorities having a kid. And she's crazy, dude. How old she's is she? She's rad. She's five. And she said the other day, she goes, um. She were at the breakfast table and she goes, um, she goes, uh, my baby's hungry. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she reached over and grabbed her doll, pulled down her, uh, night, nightgown and stuck the baby like gingerly on her nipple. <laughs> and I said, wow. And she goes, uh, surprisingly, she likes the nipple best. She's been on solid food now for a while cause she's three, but I'm going to let her decide when she's ready to be done. <laughs> and I was like. Okay. I was like, that's super empathetic of you. Like, that's what I said. And my wife's crying. Like, I was like, that's very empathetic of you. Is there someone who's breastfeeding around her? No. That's the best part. <laughs> my, I mean, honestly, my kid comes up. She was meditating the other day. And I was like, wow. well, what are you doing? She's like, practicing my mindfulness. Um, it helps. Uh, she goes, research shows it strengthens the brain. And it also helps calm me down. And I was wow. like, well, good luck with that. <laughs> Holy crap. And she's big into the, her vulva and all that stuff. It's awesome. She rules. She's naked all the time. And I started saying to her, because she's big kid, man. She's got like my genetics in her. So she's built like, she's like 95th percentile for height and weight. So she's like a barbarian. Mm-hmm. And she's beautiful, like beautiful, powerful. And like she started getting a little bit bent, a little bit upset when people would lift her up and go, oh, you're getting so heavy. And <laughs> she said to me one time, she said to 
my wife, she's like, can you lift me up and pretend I'm light? Aww. And I was like, and I was like, oh, dude, we're not fucking going down this path. So I said, um, so I started saying to her when she was nude, I'd say, I'd say, dude, how powerful are your legs? Like, have you looked at your legs? Have you looked at how fucking strong they are? Like, they carry you all around this world. And like, and look at how strong your back is. And so now when she sees herself, she's like, look at how powerful my legs are. You know, and it's like, that's the key. Because, you know, when I grew up, I was fat and I didn't want fucking people to, and I was called fat and I was like my parent, you know, my dad. too. Yeah, and it's like, my dad was like, I gotta get you on a diet and like, don't eat those and that kind of shit. And it's like, that's the war. And I get it. That's the way he grew up. And so he was just passing it on. But it's like, you know, that's A, number one, the shitty way to do it. Mm. So it's like, you know, and so you want your kid to feel incredible. And I want her to fucking go into the world, whatever she looks like, feeling like that's that's all good. Because the world tells her otherwise at every turn. You know what I mean? Can you lift me up and pretend I'm light is like honestly making me, I'm, I have tears right behind my eyes. Yeah, like that is so... Brutal. Ugh. Yeah. And it's because, and it's funny because like she's so fucking beautiful and like a badass and like the fact that you know we started saying to people like hey when you when you pick her up like get hip to like saying like oh my god you've grown so much or Mm -hmm. you know like using good terms like not you're so heavy you know maybe say i'm a pussy i can't lift you you know what i mean like (laughs) that's way better than saying you know what i mean like so i don't really know it's like all you can do is try and navigate it and then they go out in the world and they meet these other little shit kids yeah i mean wait till she's a teenager oh dude the worst i mean you know i i had fucking there was terrible kids i went to boarding school with a bunch of so in boarding school in fifth grade at my school i was not rich but i was in there with a bunch of really rich people so there were these kids like kawasaki's kennedy's duponts all these fucking kids that parents did not want them so they put them in there and these kids were like a mess of like terrible humans Mm -hmm. so it was like lord of the flies truly like and so you see that in other kids and it's like well my kid's gonna have to deal with that i'm gonna give her all the tools as best i can to sort of like tell them to fuck themselves (laughs) yeah what are those tools? Oh, dude, it's just like they're there. It's like they're there naturally. Like your kid thinks that your kid thinks they're awesome to begin with. Like mm-hmm. they and they when they walk around naked, they've got a little belly and they reach down to pick something up and they do it perfectly. I see it as like exercise too. It's like as we get older, our our muscles get tight. We don't pick things up the way we should. We don't move in the way that we did when we were born. And it's like we've become sort of society has told us like we sit when we type on our computers and then and we don't get out and do the shit but when you watch a naked child kind of cruising in a house and doing shit they do it like cave people did like they Mm -hmm. fucking straight up perfect perfect balance like most of them the ones that are fortunate enough to not have anything wrong you know with their right and this they, they reach down and they grab something and they pick up things perfectly like in the perfect form like they bend their knees and they lift and they do this stuff and they move in this graceful beautiful way and it's all the stuff that if you can get back to that as an adult then it's like it's not so much like oh my back hurts or oh my god you know it's like this is the thing like we have it all when we start it's all a really natural thing. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of get it knocked out of us. So now taking a real hard subject turn, a question that I have, I know I've asked you before, although when I went back and listened to that episode, it was not in there. Um, but I've always wondered this. Sammy Hagar era Van Halen. Thank it's you. hard for me to admit it, but I love the David Lee Roth era. I think it's like <laughs> the greatest. Uh-huh. Like I think it's untouchable, but I think I enjoyed the Sammy Hagar era better because wow. the songs were Thank catchier. You. Thank you for that scoop no, no um i 
so we went to college together. I would see you play at the Motley and I would go to your various, various shows um, and followed your career for a while. And then we sort of lost touch. And then I saw you in New York and it was, um, it was sold out and it was a madhouse and you're being mobbed by people and you had become very popular, famous. You were a celebrity at that point to me, it seemed. Um, and for you, I'm wondering when did you, when did it, did you feel it start to shift and like what were, how, how did it happen? Oh, I think there was, there's one moment where I realized that the song that I was writing was taking on, I don't think I'm famous. I don't think any of that stuff. And it's not because I'm faux humble. It's because I really just don't think so. Mm-hmm. It might be faux humble, but I don't, I mean, it might be humble. I don't know what it is, but there was a moment when I knew that song, Come On Get Higher, which is my biggest song. I knew it was catching on. We were in Des Moines, Iowa, outside playing a show and people sang it back to us in this way that was like, oh my God, this fucking song means something to these people. Mm-hmm differently than like I can't see I used to be able to sort of be like I know my I know the people that come to my shows I know how this works I know how people respond I got this and then Des Moines it was like I don't got I don't have this this is great holy shit this is what it feels like to have momentum outside of myself Mm -hmm. and that was really the only time like and then that song kind of took took on a life of its own and that helped me have a career and was that but did it get momentum outside of yourself? Was it being played on the radio? Yeah, the radio started mm-hmm. playing it and people just started, because the radio's played other songs of mine, but the, when there's a magical moment where people connect to whatever the song is, for whatever reason, that's a really crazy cool moment of like, wow, this thing is, and and you ride it for however long it gets, you know? And so um, that was what it was. That I don't, yeah, I don't really see myself like people come up to me during the meet and greets and they'll be like, you know, you I've been fighting whatever and your music saved my life. And it's like, no, you saved your life. Like, and I don't mean this to be a dick, but it's like my I was just the soundtrack. I get it. Like, I like music more than I like people. I like <laughs> it better than I like human beings all the time. And so it's like and you know this because we saw we see we, music has always been our thing. And it's like, but, you know. It, the it's not it's not me I, you know what I mean it's like it's the song is the soundtrack to your uh, evolution as a person and that's fucking great I'm super glad that something in the song connected to you mm-hmm. because I fucking that's all I ever liked as a kid were songs that connected with me so I'm flattered to be among this th- that like elite group of songs that like somehow connected with right. you but other than that I'm just a fucking kid who doesn't know you know like who's just trying to figure it out and so it's like uh, so famous people to me, it's like I don't I don't get that. I, I don't uh, especially as I get older, it's like I don't want anybody to fucking you know, like I if I was actually famous I think I'd lose my mind. Mm-hmm. I think I would fucking flip because people would be stopping me every ten minutes and I'd feel compelled to be kind to them because that's what you do and like and then they'd be saying crazy things i can't imagine what it's like to be adam levine or any of those people you know like and i know them and they're all super nice they're all normal people but it's like i can't imagine what it's like for adam levine to like go to the fucking starbucks well so do you not get recognized all the time yeah but it's not not at that level not like that i mean it might happen you know, like I was in Boise on a day off and there was like three or four people came up in, at different places and were like, oh my God, I'm a huge fan. And I'm like, that rules. But if that was like, you know, if if, if it was, you know, I don't know what I'd do. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd be, have a terrible time. Um, I said this before, but the person who I have found it the most difficult to like get through a crowd with, aside from you at your own show, yeah. Doug Benson. Oh, yeah. He's I, very I recognizable he's, too. Yes. And he seems like... I th- I think because he represents 
laughter and smoking pot and all that. He seems like the kind of guy that you just want to go up and say Dude, hi to. Can you imagine if you were friends with Matthew McConaughey? Like, honest <laughs> right. to God, like, like Butch, uh, our friend Butch is friends with all those type of people. And I can't imagine what it's like, like to try and make it down the hallway with like Tom. Uh, I'm friends with Rita Wilson and, and then Tom uh, Hanks and Rita came to a show at the Greek and I was like, I was there. I can't, oh yeah, and I said I can't imagine. I remember that was fun. Yeah. I said I can't imagine what it would be like to be Tom Hanks and have to like, like, I mean, how do you make it fifteen feet down the sidewalk? That guy is fucking it. You know right. what I mean? Like, and it's like that must be a that's a that takes a set of skills that I definitely don't have, mm-hmm. and those people obviously have, and it allows them to be able to sort of move through that group of people it's the skills that sean penn maybe doesn't have sean <laughs> right. penn moves through and he wants to punch people in the face right. you know what i mean like there's a certain type of skill and but it just doesn't seem something that's appealing to me so i'm you know that fa- like success i'm super bring it like i'm in <laughs> but like uh i'm i'm i like i like not being uh, not being that you know famous at all you know? so let's talk about the song um disappear off your new album show me your fangs and i read that when you were young you would write song titles that you were hoping song type like imaginary songs that you thought would be the right song for your favorite man. Yes. I'm having trouble articulating this concept, even though it's straightforward. Yeah. So explain it. So I used to make up. So like when you two would get ready, when the hype machine would start for like a new U2 record, I would imagine what that record would be called before they announced it. And Mm -hmm. I'd be like, wouldn't it be great if that record was called, you know, whatever, show me your spots or dogs like to eat candy or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it would be a little bit deeper feeling than that. But it was nice. And I'd kind of imagine like when they announced like the new U2 song is called The Fly. And I'd imagine what that sounded like before I heard it because I'd be like, oh my God, I bet it sounds like this. I bet it sounds like that. And then you'd hear it and it would be obviously different because you didn't fucking like mind meld with your favorite <laughs> band to change the way they think. But um, so like on this record, for example, I'm a huge Slater Kinney fan and they were putting out a sort of a reunion record. And right when I heard they were doing it, I said, it would be so great if they had a record called Show Me Your Fangs. It like, totally sounds like a Slater Kinney yeah. song and I was like because I'm album. a fucking Slater Kinney fanatic and I was like bring it man show me your fangs and of course the record was not called show me your fangs and there was nothing <laughs> Those I bitches. Think, yeah it was like and so so I was like oh man I'll take that and make that my own album title like why can't I try and be as cool as Slater Kinney is to me <laughs> and what does that uh, title represent to you sort of this mean? this idea of um, show me your ugliest parts and show me your like scariest shit and I can hang with it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really what it came down to. It was like, show me, show, you know, people always say, you know, you don't want to see the part of me that's dark. And it's like, yeah, bring it. What the fuck else? I don't want to see the only, I don't, I don't want to not see your entire you. Show me. And it's like sort of saying to your significant other, like, show me your fang. Show me your worst. Mm. Is it also, it's real Dr. Phil maneuver here. Not really. He, he's terrible. Put a rubber band around your uh, ankle and every time you want to touch the doll in the naughty spot, <laughs> just pull it. Is it also about wanting other people to be able to accept your fangs? I think the more the records get honest, the better off I feel about the records. And then the offshoot of that is that people think they know me better, which makes me uncomfortable. Mm. That part's tough, actually. Okay. The more honest you get in your records, the more people that are fans of your records kind of relate to it in a way that where it touches, you know, where they'll say like, like for example, people come up to me in the meet and greet and they'll be like, um, or someone posted on Twitter like very nicely. They were like, tell your w-, like I was home for a couple of days and they were like, tell your wife and your daughter we appreciate that they gave you the uh, to us for this tour. You know what I mean? And I was like, 
oh my god like that makes me bristle like yeah like i don't want you like i'm not gonna tell my fucking wife and get anything like i get where you're coming from but like i don't talk to you about my wife and my kid so it's like why are we talking you know what i mean right like and so i would really freak out if someone came up to me and like said my when they say like my wife's name or my kid's name and they don't i don't i know they don't know Mm -hmm. that fucking really i'm just like you've overstepped a boundary like like and so it's a weird thing where showing more of yourself. The goal for me in the art is to be more honest and open. And be. there's a song in this record called Washington State Fight Song that's super dark. It's like super dark. It's super obviously about, you know, sort of weird shit. And it's like not veiled in any way. And And people would like in New York, somebody asked from the crowd about it. Like they were like, is everything okay at home? You know what I mean? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. But you want the songs to, you know, you, like you want the songs to be real. Because if they're not real, then you're just entertaining people. And, and there are people that entertain people way better than me. Do you know what I mean? Like there's Taylor Swift. There's fucking, you know, Katy Perry. There's people that do the entertainment part of what I do a thousand times better. So it's my job to actually be honest as much as I can because that's the only currency that I've got, you know. Okay, I'm reading the lyrics now. And you're saying this is not veiled at all. This is, seems not veiled at all. Yeah, it's not veiled. But people are like, is that about you? And it's like, I don't know. Maybe. Like, it seems like it's about stepping out on someone. Oh my God, how great is stepping out? That I song, know. that Joe Jackson song? Is that the song you were thinking of? Oh, no. Yes. No. That song's <laughs> fucking great. Ooh, babe, stepping out. I wish that I could be a sucker for love the, the way I'm a sucker for lying. Into the let me look up this lyric while you're talking about that. Oh, have you seen this? Nutscapes.com? No. My friend sent this to me Oh, today. wait. Is there, are these the photos where yeah, it's like, like a beautiful, beautiful vista yes, and then falls. like a bit of someone's nuts? <laughs> it's the yeah. greatest. I mean, it is the fucking greatest. Hold on. Um, stepping out. Listen to this great lyric. Hold on. Oh, my God. This is a great. Stepping out. Uh, Joe Jackson. While you're talking, I'll just look it up. It snowed in Seattle. We fucked on the floor. Blue screen, TV light behind us. Phone on the dresser with a miss you message from home. So there's a... Have you ever heard... Uh, Matt Nathanson. Have you ever heard this song? There's a great song called... Um, by Pedro the Lion. Um, hold on. I gotta, I gotta, I'm, I'm in the middle of two things here. All Stepping right. Out by Joe Jackson. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You can dress in pink and blue just like a child and in a yellow taxi turn to me and smile. We'll be there in just a while. That's like such a great lyric. You, you, it's like in the way the melody goes. It goes, you can dress in pink and blue just like a child. And in a yellow taxi, turn to me and smile. We'll be there in just a while. What a great lyric. Mm. Fucking Joe Jackson. I'm so, we, we're so tired of all the darkness in our lives. Ooh, great. So anyway... Um, and then the song by Peter the Lion is called, it, it, it's incredible too, I could tell you the lyrics to that, but that's about him, or it's not about him, but he is detailing a situation um, very great uh, about sort of uh, infidelity. It's fun. And I was inspired by that. And I went to write in Nashville and I said, I've got this title. I've had a Washington State Fight Song since we knew each other back in the day. Mm. I had a song way back called Washington State Fight Song. And then I was like, I want to write a better song. So I took the title. And then I went to Nashville to write with this guy who's like a friend of mine, but also kind of like a hit writer. And he's like, he's like I'm like, dude, I got a, 
I got a great opening line for this song. And he's like, yeah, what is it? Because they all write hits, you know, like they sit down and they really want to generate a smash song. And I said, I want the first line to be, it snowed in Seattle and we fucked on the floor. And he's like, yeah, dude, we can't do that. <laughs> he's like, we definitely can't do that. And I was like, yes, we can. This is the point. Like, so, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, it's, I'm torn between, I, like, I so, I so want to ask you about infidelity and I also feel like, um, uncomfortable asking you about it and yet you're putting it in a song so I feel like it's the door is a little bit open so I'm going to ask you a very general question about oh, it I like it I like it bring okay. it bring it what what is infidelity about for you hmm. that's a good question that's very Dr. Phil <laughs> thank you I think uh, Maybe. for me infidelity is about uh, sp- splitting splitting something that shouldn't be split attention energy time that kind of stuff but is it about looking for validation or feeding your ego? All or of the above. Just is it libido? No, I mean I think so, but libido is really based on like like you can just always masturbate. But like to me, the idea of uh, it's about feeding your ego. That's what it is. It's like uh, it's control. It's control over other human beings. So you know you sort of like in whatever way you know like I'm in a we're gonna orgasm and I'm gonna be a part of it or. I'm going to make you like me or that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. All that stuff that you're dealing with that, you know, from a kid standpoint when you were a kid, like, why don't they like me? Right. You know, I'm going to make them like me. So one of the reasons why I play music is because you want people to, you want adoration from a group of people who could like anybody else if they decided they wanted to. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess it does seem like an outgrowth of that. This, well, first of all, suddenly you have access to more people. There's more people who are into you. Yeah, it's 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 less of that. There's like an emboldening. There's a moment when you, it's like anything. If somebody likes you, it makes you feel good about yourself. And if you're an asshole, you then take that and try and you spread that around. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're like, I feel good about myself. What's your name? You know what I mean? Like that's how it works. And so it's like it. It's like uh, at least that's how it works for some people. So yeah, it's just like about stroking the ego and taking control of human beings and making. Making them feel like they're focused on you. The funny thing is, I remember. Oh, I just had a memory of seeing you play at Brainwash. Oh my God! A million years ago. Yeah, that was the washing. That was the laundromat slash performance space yes. in San Francisco. <laughs> and there was a song you played, which is one that was in your early sets a lot. Uh, and I th- let's see if you can remember what it is. I feel like there was a girl named Taylor. Mm-mm. in it and it involved boarding school and it involved infidelity oh no you're mixing up a bunch of different things but i love it all okay i don't know what song you're talking about but wasn't there a song or a story about infidelity way back then and you felt bad about it i don't think so not in the brainwash period okay but in the college period Maybe. It was like there was some girl that you had been unfaithful on someone with and i think you had anger at her that's that my sounds, memory. I mean, that sounds just about right at the time. Then but I, I don't must remember. be right. All my records no were Taylors? about sort of... No. Besides Swift? No. Taylor <laughs> Swift. Uh, I do not have any real experience with except that... Well, you know that you know that story. Did she wrote lyrics, your lyrics on her arm? No. That, oh, oh my God. Just story? you should Google it. She doesn't... Uh, she, I, Wait, I, are you guys over? This is a great story. Oh, no. I never knew her. She was just she. She's a fa- fan of music, and so I happen to be the some of the music that she liked. Mm-hmm. And then um, this is a pretty good story. Okay. And then um, she put out a record, not this one, but the record before this one, 
And uh, all of a sudden, my Twitter blew up with people telling me that Taylor Swift had stolen a song of mine. And I was like, I, I was immediately, I was like, these people have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Like, everyone always says shit like this. And, uh, and I finally, after like a day and a half of people saying this, I went and I listened to the song that they were talking about. And I listened to the song, I'm like, dude, this sounds nothing like anything mm-hmm. I've ever written in my life. And then it got to this one line that was a, my line that came out of a song of mine. And so there was like, I was like, oh my God, dude, this is totally my line. Taylor <laughs> Swift, totally, this is the, What was the line? It was, I'll forget about you long enough to forget why I need to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, euphoric. I was so psyched that like the biggest artist in the world had taken right. my line. Like it was really fucking cool. Then fa- fast forward like 15 minutes and I'm just so psyched. I'm telling my wife, I'm like, how rad is this? And then all of a sudden I start going, Oh, dude, that sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. there was like, so I would say there's about a 7% of me was like, was bummed. And then 93% of me was like over the moon. So fast forward to a couple days later, I'm in Los Angeles writing, uh, and I'm telling everyone I can about this because it's like the coolest thing. Sure. And uh, I'm in Los Angeles writing a song with a friend of mine, Sam. And I said, I wish my Twitter could be more sort of like uh, veiled. I said, Pete. Pete from Fallout Boy, man. Pete can just tweet something really like a, like obscure, and people lose their mind about it. And I was like, I want to be more like Pete, right? Because that kid's the best, and he tweets the best tweets. And uh, and I was talking to Sam, and and then I told him the story about Taylor Swift, and he goes, "Well, man, she's a fan. She's a she's a fan." And I go, "Yeah, dude, she's definitely a fan. And now she's a thief." Right? <laughs> I said that, and he goes, "Dude, that's a tweet." And I was like, "What do you mean? He's just just tweet that." And I had not said anything at all to anyone. I hadn't validated yeah. anyone's Twitter. I had no idea how the world worked. Right. I was very naive. So I go, and he, I go, you just want me to write, she's definitely a fan and now she's a thief and not say anything? And he's like, yeah, dude, do it. So oh, I geez. typed it and I sent it. And then all of a sudden, I swear to God, six minutes later, I start getting these hate tweets. Oh, no. Like, from the I've never Swift seen Army. anything like it in my life. It was like I was being barraged by people who were like, you're a fucking has-been piece of shit. Why don't you get AIDS and die? Oh, you're wow. a fucking faggot asshole piece of shit. And it was the rudest shit. So I'm like, fuck this. So I delete the tweet. I'm like, dude, Sam, that was a terrible idea. Like my Twitter's blowing up. How did anyone know that I'm taught there? That how did they put these two things together? I was like, I'm out. So then the way that Twitter works is like somewhere else in the world. It still is there. So all of a sudden, like three or four or five days later, I get another like round. My Twitter has totally cleared. Everything's good. Nobody hates me. Then Another big barrage, like in Malaysia, all of a sudden they get the news, you know what I mean? And like, it just fucking pours in more hatred. So finally, so I'm like, so I get, I get really pissed and I go, fuck these people. And I wrote, I love that Taylor, at Taylor Swift 13 fans are pissed at me for writing I saw in 2003, send. Like I was like, I was like, fuck these people and fuck, I'm not going to be pushed into a corner by a bunch of fucking assholes behind a computer. They're like 12, you know, 14. I'm like yeah. a grown man. So so long story longer, I put it out there and then all of a sudden I'm driving my car a couple hours later and, and somebody calls me on the phone. They're like, dude, you're on the front page of Gawker. And I was like, what's Gawker? And they're like, dude, you're on the front page of Spin. Dude, you're, on the, you're in People Mag. All of a sudden, every Perez dude. Hilton, dude, it was unbelievable. And it was just like scorned lover like they created so much shit like did they date Matt Nathanson calls Taylor Swift and I wasn't even successful so I'm not even like people don't know who I am so all of a sudden there's this 
fuck every comment. So I like we talked about about and don't read the comment yeah. section because people are fucking terrible. Awful. So I start reading the comment of section course. on these, and everybody was like, "He's a has been piece of shit," and she didn't steal the line, and he doesn't know what he's talking about, and it's not anything like his line because her line's slightly different, but it's the same line, right? And it's like, and I was like, "Oh my god, these people hate me! Oh my god, what have I done?" And I was just like, "What am I going to do about it?" And then that was it. Like, so the world lit up for like thirty seconds about how much I said Taylor Swift and they found the old tweet that I deleted and they Mm. put it next to the new tweet that I sent and it was like fucking nuts and I had so still to this day like Taylor Swift used to like Christian from Sugarland was like Taylor wants to meet you and I was like oh that'd be fun that'd be awesome and then like now nothing because I've totally uh because, but it was inc- and which is fine. I don't give a shit. But it right. was like well, I give a shit that I blame your friend. It was incredible, dude. I've never seen anything like it. And I thought to myself, this is how you manipulate the world. If you're if you're good at this, you can fucking ride this thing yeah. to the ends of the earth. And I was just like, as soon as I, I was like, I want out. I want nothing to do with anything like this ever again. Like I don't want to fuck this. That was totally mm-hmm. how it went. So yeah. So that's my that's my Taylor. That's my only songs about Taylor. Okay. I'm going to have to figure out what this song was. Um, but speaking of Twitter, let's take some questions that came in over Twitter. Hit me. When we ask this and them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Right, Julie S. says, I want to start a vinyl collection, but I'm kind of intimidated. Who does he recommend starting with? Oh, that's a great question. How many should I give her as, um, let me think, records that you should definitely own? Five. Five. I would say, um, that is an incredible question. Tammy S., is that it? Julie S. Julie S. I would say, um, Highway to Hell by ACDC. Um... The first Father John Misty record. The Sunset Tree by the Mountain Goats. Oh my God, this is good. Um, Maybe U2 War. R.E.M. Life Search Pageant. Perfect. And Julie S. also says, I came up with a title for his new book club. I like books more than I like people. What does he think? I like it. I like it. It's a, I have a Spotify playlist called I like music more than Mm. I like people. So I think she riffed off that a little bit. Uh, Yeah, we're going to do a book club, I think, starting in January. I'm psyched. Do you know what your first book's going to be? No, I'm sort of like thinking my way because I don't want to ostracize anybody by picking something that's like super not fun for people but I also don't want to pick something that's so fucking stupid that everyone's like it's like reading something trashy I want to find like a good balance is this a real book club or is it I mean is this a in real life book club or is it online I think it's going to work online we're going to find a way to sort of like post essays about this book yeah gathering storm says favorite lyric on the new album oh good question gathering storm I would probably say uh, is a song Bill Murray or the song Giants there's a song there's a line in Bill Murray that says you only get one person knows you best, and it's temporary everybody else. And then there's a line in Giants said, um, the world don't speak for us. They lack the confidence. Yeah, we're only hearts and bones and blood, but we're giants. Yeah, thanks, Gathering Storm. Nice. Becca Bowes says, favorite musical? 
I fucking hate musicals. You do? Oh my god! But if I had to pick one, because there's there's three that I can handle. Okay. West Side Story. Well, there's probably four. West Side Story, Grease, Annie, or Oliver. So I would say one of those four. But that's it. I'm out on like what's that one where everyone shot heroin and they were like, I think I'm rent. dying. Oh, I don't want to die here. Yeah, Rent was don't especially contrived. Oh my god! And then Cats still made me cry. But uh, oh yeah, I, I I saw yeah. Cats and fell asleep, and I was like, this is not for me. Thank God you didn't see Starlight Express. They're on roller skates because they are trains. It's also Andrew Lloyd Webber. That sounds incredible. So wait, have you not seen uh, Les Miserables or Phantom or Fun Home? Dude, I mean, I am the and I am the I am the absolute opposite person for those. Experiences. The aforementioned Book of Mormon. I never saw Book of Mormon. So good. Oh my God. I can't take when people sing what they're talking. They just talk. Okay. That's how I, I feel. Mean, I get where you're coming from, but like, I enjoy musicals. Like this, if I was like, Allison, my gum is done. Do you have a place where I could put it? And you're like, <laughs> put it over there in the washing. You know, like, like that's how I hate yeah. that. I can't take it. Just fucking, that'd where can com- I throw my that'd gum? That'd be a compelling stage show. Matt's mustache says... Oh. What are the best and worst or hardest parts about meet and greets? I like all things about meet and greets except when people are insatiable and they ask me for shit. Like last night in the meet and greet when the when that older woman said, ooh, your nipple, and went and touched my nipple. <laughs> and I was like, no, don't touch my fucking nipple. Right. Those kind of things. Like people, people at meet and greets can sometimes lose their boundaries and they'll be like... Uh, you know, and that's not fun because then you got to scold them like you're their fucking teacher. Becca Bowes also says, if he wasn't a world famous musician, what would he be? Probably an English teacher. Okay. Yeah. High school English teacher, maybe. Ray Morgan says, slinkies, super slinkies, or extra slinkies? I'm not that familiar with. I don't know what that is. Is that lineup the, the, of toy, Is that a sex toy or is that no? Like these a, are real slinkies. Oh, they are probably yeah. the firmer sl- slinky. Firmest, okay, like the heaviest gauge. Yeah, slinky. Heavy, yeah. Beth Weiss, what is your favorite city to visit while on tour, or the one with the best crowds? Oh, the best crowds kind of changes, but I like uh, Austin, Texas. I love Portland, Oregon. I love Boston. I love New York. Probably New York is like fantastic. But Chicago's okay. Yeah, I like vi- cities to visit. There's a lot of good stuff. We had a day off in Lawrence, Kansas. I had a great time. We went and saw... Have you ever heard um, the author whose name is escaping me right now? She wrote Swamplandia. No, but I saw you post it on Instagram, and I was like, what a cultured thing to do. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. That was a badass thing the library did in Lawrence, Kansas. And finally, Becca Boo says, Red Vines or Twizzlers? Twizzlers. Red Vines taste like sadness to me. They're like what? hollow, and they have just the... If I'm going in, I'm going Twizzler. I, I don't do it that much, but mm-hmm. if I'm going to do it, I want to rip the entire uh, package off the Twizzler and eat it like a candy bar. You know what I mean? Like not even divide them up. Just fucking t- just mow down on the one big tire tread. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, mm. Okay. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right, Bruce. Who did these songs? This is my um, 
the guy who does the music for the show, his name is Tom Rapp, and he goes by Trap Dog, and he is awesome. Dude, Trap Dog has got some catchy, catchy. He's like a muse. The good parts of musicals. He's Thank essentially you. saying everything that's happening, but in a way that's fun. Uh, I told you, or I think I told you when we texted, um, that I did my podcast live up in Seattle for the Bumbershoot oh, Festival. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And Tom came out and played the songs live. Oh, it was that's awesome. Super did you have the thermals amazing. on your... Uh, I had Hutch Harris, yeah. Dude, I started following him I on Twitter. I love the thermals, yeah. Because he, I love the thermals, and he is a great uh, Twitter. He's her. funny. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's super good. rad. Okay, Bruised by Dawn says, Whenever I enjoy a glass of whiskey, I think of Bill Murray's character filming the Suntory ad oh in Lost God. in Translation. Yeah. Mom, I don't times. do that, but I can imagine that. Oh, this is where we, we say if we also do these things. Oh, okay, I don't drink. Matthew G says, If I see someone carrying a guitar case, I assume they're a hack. But if it's a violin case, I assume they're a virtuoso. I don't have that assumption, but I appreciate it. I think anybody that carries a violin case is a badass. So yeah. I'm in like a guitar case. I don't know how I feel about it, but definitely violin like speaks to me on like a upper echelon level. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, yeah, it suggests a certain level of skill. Oh yeah. Dexterity and, and like brain power that, so I just, yeah, it's great. I want to sit next to them. Celine Bobin says, just mirror everyone, socks falling off inside boots or shoes makes me want to fill them with lead and jump in the ocean. Yes, a thousand times. Yeah, I have trouble. Also a hair in my sock. I have trouble with any of that kind of thing. Like if uh, me too. my underpants are uh, uncomfortable. Up, yeah, or, or if there's layers a, that won't sit right. Dude. Seams I, that aren't matching. Yes. Oh. oh, I rip clothes in yeah. half, like taking tags out and stuff. So yes, yes, yes. yes. CDT Matt says, this is similar, blankets can sense when they fail to cover even the tiniest spot on my body and I'll be distracted until I fix it. Yes, I need to be totally covered by the blankets when I'm sleeping and I oftentimes wake up in pretty much the same position I fell asleep in. I don't understand the people like my husband and also my younger sister as a kid was this way who they'll sleep with like the comforter dangling half off the bed and covering one foot. I can't get a. You don't move. I do, but I'm just saying. Like the, if you look at the at at my bed in the morning on my husband's side, it looks like someone like had a fight with the sheets. And on my side, it's like, oh, it's just folded back a little bit, and then it's really easy to make it because I just push. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't relate to that. You don't. No, you're a messy sleeper. I am a destroyer of beds. Really? Oh yeah. Sometimes I'll just poop in them and (laughs) rub. It just depends on how I'm feeling. But yeah, I'll go. I'll go deep. Okay. Nicole Donaldson says, when I was a kid, I thought as we got bigger, we shed our skin like a snake and it was painful. Glad I was wrong. Glad That's, you, that's a poetic. I love that. That's I badass. Know. That's like a Ben Gibbard lyric. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, I never thought that. No, but I didn't I'm either. not nearly as creative as that human. James Leroy Wilson says, I know I'm a literary Neanderthal, but I can't help it. I strongly prefer poems that rhyme over poems that don't. Yeah. No. I don't know if I strongly prefer them. I, I enjoy a delightful meter, though. Oh, and Ryan's game. That's right. Yes, you took terms. many, many classes at Pomona. Yes. About, uh, I was an English major. Did you take, you took Bob Mezzi's poetry class. We talked about this. No, I didn't take that he one. Was the fu- he was a fucking genius, that guy. Really? Oh, my God. I, uh, he would read Ozymandias to us, and he was openly weeping. <laughs> In class, like reading it. It was incredible. It was like oh. the greatest. He was an incredible, inspirational human. Yeah. Oh, I wish you'd taken a class. I wish it. I had. I know. You took Thomas Penny, right? No. Oh. Who's that? 
he taught a really boring English class that I took my freshman year. But I remember that you had a class with my friend Rebecca, and I thought it was it was in that same room. Maybe that was Bob Mezzi's poetry class. Maybe in Pomona. I think yeah. it was one of the few classes okay. I took at Pomona. I couldn't keep up with you guys. You guys were smart. You're Thank a you. smat, you're a wicked smat, that place. Sarah Robinson says, I make a fake voice for each of my three dogs. The bigger the dog, the deeper the voice. Well, I only have one dog, and I don't know that we have a voice for her, but I like to think about if she had a voice, what it would sound like. Yeah, I don't think about my, I talk to them in the same voice. You have dogs or cats? Two cats, mm-hmm. Mr. Beasley and Rufus. Oh, right. And they, uh, I just sort of talk to them the same. And I also call them by different names. And they but don't, they don't to care. care. Yeah. No, they just want to be fed. And lastly, Sith Lord and Taylor says, I'm a grown- Sith Lord and Taylor? <laughs> I like that. Incredible. I'm a grown-up, but I still am not sure if dirt is made of mostly sand. Um, I don't think... What? I don't... What is, what is the composition of dirt? It's different than sand, I think. If you want, I'll, pull, I'll open up my belly button. We can pull that out. I bet there's no <laughs> sand in there. It's like the darkest lint. I don't know anything about dirt other than that that it happens and people... I know. I've never thought about that. Yeah. These people are way deeper than me, for sure. Have you thought about dirt? I haven't, but I know that sand and glass have some relation. Glass? Oh, well, yeah. Glass, sand yeah. becomes glass. Right. Right? Over time. I get, yes, that's right. Is that true? I think so. Let's pretend it is. I, th- I feel like it is. Somehow they're related. Yeah, they are. They're like... It's like schist and shale. That's right. I don't know what schist is. I think it's a rock. Okay. I Shale took a uh, geology class in high school. We had a crazy, awesome geology professor. And uh, nothing is m- more boring than geology <laughs> to me. And, uh, and he made it real cool. So yeah, schist and shale. I just think they go well together. Matt Nathanson, it was so delightful having you on the show. I love it. I'm just going to say a few things, and then we're going to hear a song from you, right? I think so. I think that will be delightful. And here are the things that I'm going to say. Hey, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. Thank you guys for your Amazon support. Thank you for your PayPal support. PayPal link's on the right side of my website. Uh, We have t-shirts available. Go to alisonrosen.com. You'll see a picture of the t-shirt on the right side of the page. Click that. That will take you to the site where you can get a shirt. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Email us, A-R-I-Y-M-B-F show at gmail.com. Also, we have a ringtone available. Well, more than hey, one, actually. Hey, hey, go fuck yourself. You need that. We also have Touch the Tushy. We have other stuff. You can get these by searching Hey, Go Fuck Yourself or Touch the Tushy uh, on your iPhone in the iTunes store. Also, if you're not an iTunes person, they're available on Gumroad. Go to gumroad.com, G-U-M-R-O-A-D.com slash Allison Rosen. And also other stuff available there. Bonus episodes available on in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. Um, Matt, where should we go to find out more about you? Look inside, Allison. <laughs> that was an incredible. I, I, no, I just anywhere my name Matt Nathanson. Okay. Dot com. Dot tweet. Dot Instagram. All that stuff. I'm everywhere. Are you, are you at Matt Nathanson? You yeah, are, right? I am. You Did you wrest that from the hands of someone else? I feel like you didn't have that at the beginning. No, I've always had it. Okay. There's another Matt Nathanson who I've gotten to know a little bit uh, on the Twitter that people thought was me. Mm. And he came to a show in New York. He's friends That's with cool. some friends. And uh, he seemed nice. We have the same. Sometimes he'll, he'll say, a lot of people like our new record. That's what he tweeted me. <laughs> it was awesome. That's nice. And everyone should go get Show Me Your Fangs, which is available on iTunes. Yeah, that record, will, it's good. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. It's everywhere music is. Look inside your heart. 
Perfect. All right. Let's hear a song from Matt Nathanson. So this is uh, my Bill Murray song. Yay. Yay, Bill. I fell asleep and had a dream. Bill Murray and I were friends. We drove the world from Boston to Japan. Blasting an old Van Halen And one night over drinks Bill started crying He said to me, kid Of all the stupid things I ever did You know I let go when I should have pulled her in And he handed me his cell phone when I called, you were on a plane Moving back to Portland for the rain Well, I won't only love you when you're winning The other fools pretend to understand Come on, take my hand, we'll go down swinging let me be your man Let me be your man A hundred days We hiked the coast to Galway in the rain And Bill said something late one night in Spain and it's always just stuck with me You only get one person knows you best And it's temporary, everybody else Well, I won't only love you when you're winning Other fools pretend to understand Come on, take my hand, we'll go down swinging Let me be your man Let me be your man I'm done with sleep Cause dreams are dreams Until you wake up So wake up Just wake up here with me Well, I won't only love you when you're winning Other fools pretend to understand Come on, take my hand, we'll go down swinging. Let me be your man. Let me be your man. Cool. That was awesome. It was fun. I had the headphones slipping off. I, I noticed you adjusting them, and I kind of wanted to like get up and help you, but I also felt like you might be like, 
why is this woman hovering above my head as I'm trying to play a song? <laughs> no way. So that was Bill Murray from yeah. Show Me Your Fangs. Yeah. Matt, thank you so much. It was so good to see you and catch up and have you on the show again. You rule, Allison. It was a joy. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go.